Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all you beautiful and divine wine lovers and welcome back to season two. Thanks for sticking with me. I appreciate that. What I do promise to bring you this season is more chats with winemakers and masters of wine, sommeliers and importers and the like. So I hope you continue to learn and enjoy wine with me. So as many of you probably already know, through Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, I do private tastings, corporate tastings, trainings, anything that is wine related and fun. And so as a way to say thank you all for being here on this wine journey and also as a way to hopefully boost the podcast just a little bit, I'm going to be running a competition that hopefully you can all get involved in. It's very simple. Full details are in the show notes, but all you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Yes, I know that sucks if you're using another media player device, but sadly this one is the one with all the power. So if you don't have Apple, try and find a friend that does. Leave a review, take a snapshot and send it to me either by email at yanina at eatsleepwinerepeat.co.uk or on my Instagram direct message me. The handle is at eatsleep underscore wine repeat. Make sure you do this before August the 30th, 2021. I'm going to pick one winner and they're going to get a virtual wine tasting with me. Now this is open to anyone who's listening, any country you're in. So shout out to my listeners in Zambia and Dominican Republic. I know there's one in Bairan. So I am leaving this open. The plan will be there will be six wines. I will find out where your local wine distributor is or we will figure things out. It will be personalized to you, what we can get depending on your country and of course what you want to learn and what theme you fancy it. So good luck to you all and I look forward to meeting one of you along with all the friends and family you can squeeze in very soon for this tasting. Right now to the episodes to celebrate the relaunch of season two there is going to be an episode every single day for this first week. I'm taking this wine game very very seriously. (laughs) So for today's episode, no guests, it's just me. And we're going to be talking about canned wines. Now I have a can of Viognier, of Grenache Rosé and Saint Laurent. So we're going to be talking about all three of them, what the varieties offer. And of course, I'm going to have to open up the can and taste it for you, right? So, wine in a can. Is this a trend that's here to stay? Well, I personally think it is. Now, regardless of some people's protests, they are rather handy for a picnic or that super long train ride, right? And let's not forget, they're also pretty ideal if you're not in the mood to drink a whole bottle. Yes, that does happen. (laughs) Being smaller format, they chill down quicker in the fridge and so for those of us you know with a slightly higher pace to last a minute lifestyle these are actually a very handy choice now to my US listeners I know 
You've been there for years already, but please be patient because those of us in the UK, certainly, we are just catching up. So the technology first. It has improved so much over the years. So for anyone who doesn't know, these are aluminium cans that now have a lining. So it's a water-based polymer. So this means that the wine aromas and the flavours are unaffected. And of course, they tend to be great for the environment as well. So big tick, because the wines, they're getting shipped in bulk and then they're canned. Actually, is that the appropriate expression now? Filled? Hmm. Well, let's go with canned. So they are canned in the country of drinking. If you want to hear more about the environmental savings, a really good episode to go back to is in last season. It was episode 40 and it's called Premium Bag and Box with Bib Wine Co. Cans have far higher a recycling rate and of course a super lightweight if we compare them to glass. However, We do need to drink them pretty swiftly because they tend to have a shelf life of around one year. But that's not to say that the juice inside is not going to be of premium quality. In fact, more and more premium wine is finding itself in a neat little can. And so that leads me onto a pack of wines that I was sent recently. And that's what's inspired me to do this episode. I decided to not only give them a little swig as I record, but also to look at those great varieties that have been chosen and have a little chat about each one. So the cans that I have are from the Canned Wine Co. So this company is all about taking the slightly lesser known varieties, working with quality producers around Europe that farm sustainably and organically and are all vegan, so it gets quite a few ticks. They source small lots from premium producers of just one vintage and then they bottle it, or actually, should we say they can it, and they do it all in one go. So the cans are effectively limited edition, which is quite nice, and the varieties will change. So you can buy them in packs of three, that's the minimum, and either you get three of the same, but why would you want to do that when you can get three different ones? So as I already mentioned at the beginning, I have a Viognier, a rosé made from Grenache, and a red wine from the grape variety Saint Laurent. So the pack is £16.50, So that works out as £5.50 a can, and a can is 250 millilitres. That's pretty standard for cans, and that is a third of a bottle. Right, so now let's talk about Viognier, which I have in front of me. It was only back in the 1960s that Viognier was almost extinct. Now, this very seductive grape variety hails from the northern Rhone Valley. There are two white appellations to look out for. The first is Chateau Gruyère, which is directly south of the famous Cote Roti region. So this region is known for fermenting a little bit of Viognier with its Syrah wines. It's really small in size. We're talking 3.8 hectares. And even more surprisingly, it's owned by only one winery. So that's Chateau Gruyère. Now the second appellation famous for Viognier, is Condrieux. Now this is directly south from Chateau Gruyère. Now although through history, it seems this great variety has seen some popularity, 
as people's preferences really turn towards red wine and the fact that Viognier has always been a bit of a difficult grape to cultivate, by the 1960s, this grape variety just went down to 14 hectares in total. Now, Jancis Robinson, she's a master of wine and a wine critic. She said, when I wrote Vines, Grapes and Wines in 1985, I was able to identify records of just 32 hectares of it planted in the entire world. Now, that is shocking how close to extinction it got. So what happened? Well, Georges Venet is a name you should know about, making sublime viognes from Condrieu. And from the 1960s, he worked super energetically to develop and popularise this grape variety again. Then, in the 1980s, the grape travelled to several countries around the world. We can thank Calera and Joseph Phelps in California and Yolumba in Australia, amongst others, for all of their efforts. Now, thankfully... We have lots of Viognier again. Still not as well known as your Chardonnays and your Sauvignon Blancs, but it's a great variety that you want to try. So in terms of aromas and flavours, Viognier is a rich and hedonistic white wine. The acidity levels are quite low, which means if the winemaker doesn't quite get it right, you can get a really fat and flabby wine. But when they get it right, oh, the church bells do ring. Incredibly perfumed. This wine has aromas of peach, of orange musk and honeysuckle. The wine gives you weight on the palate and this lovely oiliness. So this is a wine of texture and of aromatics. Right, let's try this one. So I'm going to pour this into a glass because I want to get the most out of the wine and then yeah I'll come back to them at the end and give them a little swig from the can and then just compare. I think that sounds like a plan right? Mm, okay. It's quite subtle on the nose right now, but pretty aromatic and floral. Like a little bit of um, lemon peel and nectarine juice. There's definitely some apricots in there, so lots of stone fruits and something a little bit spicy and floral. In fact, actually, I'd go with geraniums in there. Ah, do you know what? It's opening up already. Mm, medium intensity for sure. And the oiliness is really coming through now. Mm, it's quite rich on the palate as expected. Full bodied. It's very unctuous. There's loads of orange. In fact, it finishes like I've eaten a satsuma. Quite zesty and spicy. The acidity is still medium. Mm. And now, coming through, it's like tinned peaches, including that rich juice that it comes in. Yeah, it's it's voluptuous, it's aromatic, it's peachy. Mm. I mean, there's actually certainly enough going on. Actually, I'm going to taste from the can right now because, interestingly enough, it really wasn't that aromatic when I first poured it. So... Do you know what? Still pretty good. You don't get the subtleties of the floral notes. You get a richness, roundness, and loads and loads of stone fruits in the can. But actually, it makes it pretty gluggable. Mm. Now, this Viognier just says wine of France. If you're not getting Viognier from the Northern Rhone, 
there's a strong chance that it came from the southern Rhone where it's warmer climate a little bit more reliable and can be a little bit cheaper and equally just that little bit further south on the coastline you have the Languedoc Roussillon region where winemakers have a lot of flexibility with what they do with Viognier and both in the Languedoc Roussillon region and in the southern Rhone you'll find Viognier very often blended with Marsan and Roussan and also Grenache Blanc so look out for that on the back of labels if they do list it. Now some of my favourite food pairings for Viognier are prawn linguine or if I'm being very fancy and it's not my money a lobster linguine is divine that richness that sweetness of the seafood works amazingly in that creaminess in the sauce creamy buttery dishes work roasted chicken just like that's amazing with a oak chardonnay it can go really well with the richness of viognier or roasted pork and anything with kind of orange zest or apricots in fact like a chicken and apricot tangine would be really really delicious as well with viognier and just think dishes with some some dill or some tarragon some saffron these kind of herbs works very nice with a mediterranean or kind of moroccan style dish even going into that asian pad thai nature works really lovely and with some curries as well loads of pairings you could do with viognier Right, let's talk Grenache, which actually conveniently grows in the same places that Viognier does. So Grenache Noir. I say Grenache Noir. So over the years, this variety has mutated several times. And you'll also find, as I mentioned just a second ago, Grenache Blanc often blended with Viognier, and even Grenache Gris. Now in Spain, of course, they call it Garnacha. It makes really rather juicy rosés in Provence or in the Languedoc-Roussillon region on the French coast in the south. So both of these two regions are right next to each other. Provence to the east, the Languedoc and then Roussillon to the west. It's the main grape variety in Côte de Rhone in France and in the most premium crew of the Rhone Valley, Chateauneuf de Pape. That's the GSM blend, Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre. Now, I mentioned these French regions first because we were just talking about Viognier and they happen to grow in the same place. However, when talking about the history of Grenache or Garnacha, it actually either comes from the north of Spain or, in fact, from Sardinia, where the variety is known as Cananao. Now, in Spain, it's often blended with Carignana, which is the Spanish way to say Carignan, and they grow on these really steep hills of a wine region called Priorat, which is in Catalonia, and equally in smaller parts, it's used as a blending partner with Tempranillo in the Rioja wine region. It grows all over the world now, but you'll find it's happiest in warm and hot climates. Now, Grenache as a grape variety is known for being higher in alcohol, medium to full-bodied. Certainly the older the vines, the more full-bodied the Grenache tends to be. The tannins are quite soft, the acidity is quite low, and there's loads of juicy red fruit flavours, hence why it can be very good for rosé. You'll often find raspberries and hints of white pepper with this variety. And there's a real sweetness to the fruit. Sometimes you may hear me talking about grape varieties being a little bit more savoury. But Grenache, I always find it's a sweeter, fruitier style. Sometimes even strawberry jam and some candied violets. Okay, so let's check out this canned wine.
Okay, it's super pale. This looks totally Provence style. We're talking really pale, light, salmon colour. This also is a wine of France, so it could come from Provence, but I would imagine it comes from the Languedoc-Roussillon region where you often get those Provence style wines, but at a much better price. Just my guess though. Okay, it's lovely raspberries and red cherries. It smells like there's a little creaminess to it. Um, even a little bit of peach, but it's quite soft and it's juicy on the nose. Hmm. It's a dry rosé, but I feel like there's a little extra residual sugar. There's a, there's a sweetness to the fruit, but it's weighty, medium bodied, it's round, some medium acidity and loads of these kind of really red berry fruits on the finish. There's something slightly tarty, a little spiciness on the finish, like that kind of sour oomph, but actually that gives it a bit of interest. So it's not just about red fruits. Again, very, very gluggable. Let's try this with the can see if there's much of a difference do you know what just like the other one it's all about fruits so it doesn't seem as rich and as round and concentrated but it seems just really red berry fruity drinking out of the can again another gluggable tick you know in terms of food pairing rosé is literally so versatile it really is actually one of my favorite categories shall we say just to pair with vegetables with spices with olives with olive oil with even going up to lamb but it goes with fish and chicken and salads however anyway grenache as a whole as a grape variety. I absolutely just love with sausage and charcuterie and then kind of going on to the barbecue styled meats. So that's always my favorite pairings with Grenache. Also, in fact, don't forget about Grenache with a turkey Christmas dinner, you know, with those piggies in a blanket and then you've got your herbed roast potatoes and the gravy. You've got a whole load of different stuff going on on that plate. Very, very good partner. Do you know what? This rosé, though, with its gluggable nature, with its juiciness, just a yummy chorizo pizza, I think would do the trick. Right, now on to the last can I have, which is a grape variety that many of you may not have heard of or may not be as familiar, and that is Saint Laurent. Now, a few reasons you should know about this Austrian grape variety is it is part of the Pinot Noir family. And what we already know about Pinot Noir and its siblings, they seem to produce some pretty fine wine. Now, in terms of parentage, it's not a crossing, but a natural Burgunder seedling. Or so they think. There are some sources that believe that Saint Laurent did come from Pinot Noir. So Pinot Noir was one of its parents and there was an unknown variety on the other side. We do not know. So to be honest, the history of Saint Laurent is pretty sketchy and there's a lot of suggestions pointing towards its beginnings being in Bordeaux. But hey-ho, it's an Austrian grape now, <laughs> that's for sure. So you're going to find it growing in either Burgenland, which is in the most eastern part of Austria, or Thurman region, which is east, but a little bit more northern, so just below the capital of Vienna. Now, just like Pinot Noir, 
It seems to be super fuzzy in the vineyards. It's pretty sensitive to spring frosts and it can produce some pretty inconsistent yields. They're typically quite low, but with this variety you get gorgeous aromatics. Think florals like violets or rose, along with a a side of sweet baking spices and then even cigars. Then on the palate there is this intense red Morello cherry flavours. I've heard someone once say the grape has the elegance of burgundy with the power and juice of the Rome Valley. And I think that's pretty accurate. So the best wines, they age really well. And interesting fact, the grape is named after St. Laurent's Day, which is on the 10th of August. And this is when the grape starts changing colour. So from green to red, known in the grape cycle as the raison. Right, let's give this a go then. Mm, okay, I really like the liveliness of the fruit in this. It's really very plummy, plummy and mm, even fresh figs and spice. Like loads of loads of red fruits, tart red cherries, but there's a slight wood char to it as well, but not coming from any oak influence, I don't think. I think more from the fruit. Mm. Mm, medium bodied, really, really juicy fruit. Now there's a mix of red and black fruits going on there. Really soft, uh, almost chalky tannins. It's almost like you can taste a bit of those sweeter baking spices like um, cinnamon sticks and a little bit of grated nutmeg going on. This one's actually my favourite. I, I think Saint Laurent is really underrated. Um, if you can't get your hand on this, just get a bottle of Saint Laurent and really get to know it because it, it's pretty divine. Mm. Wait, and of course, out of the can. Hang on a minute. Let's give this a go. Um, do you know, actually, because this is the least voluptuous of the others, I feel like the other ones were weightier. This is the most similar from the can into the glass. Then again, this is my favourite and I think actually the most complex. So I think anyway, everyone, if you can put it in a glass, put it in a glass. And I think with some time and with some air, it could get quite interesting. But yep, I can conclude straight out of the can. I'm still a happy Yanina, if you ask me. Now, in terms of food pairing, do you know what? I actually think that Saint Laurent could also be an incredible barbecue wine. So I might be knocking Grenache off of top spot there. I'm not sure. Um, but other dishes, a Peking duck would be absolutely fantastic. I think because of the much lower tannins, medium body, but good acidity, I mean, this would go really well with even lighter meats, even chicken. So if you wanted to do like a spicier chicken dish with some maybe spicy sausage and then some peppers and tomatoes, these kind of uh, occasion chicken rice pot kind of dish, I think it would go really nicely. Failing all that, because this is in a can and it's super juicy, just a absolutely fat hamburger is going to go delicious with this specific wine. 
Right, well, I ran out of cans to try for you. So do let me know what your favourite canned wines are. Equally, just as I've kind of focused on three different grape varieties with a little bit more detail, is that useful? Do you want a few more episodes this season where we focus on specific grape varieties? Let me know. Now, as we finish up, just like season one, you're not getting anywhere without listening to some of my favourite wine quotes that I have sourced. So today's wine quote is from a Persian poet, philosopher, astronomer, amongst many other things. And his name was Omar Khayyam, hopefully I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's the most beautiful quote that I feel is going to carry us through for season two. And he said... Drink wine. This is life eternal. This is all that youth will give you. It is the season for wine, roses and drunken friends. Be happy for this moment. This moment is your life. You know, without turning this into a spiritual podcast... I think for all of us, it's fair to say this last year and a half has been shit and really tough and a challenge. And we're not quite sure when we're going to get out on the other side. But it's all about being in the moment, being present, finding those things that make you happy. Wine for me just lights my soul. It is that vehicle that brings the world together people together, stories transport you to the other side of the world, looking at cuisine and culture. So take your glass of wine today or tomorrow and just sit with it and appreciate everything that it represents. The winemaker's passion, its unique nature, its representation of the dirt, the soil, the geology it came from, the climate, the terroir, the history behind that vine. And just know that, thank God, we have something so divine that unites so many of us and keeps us connected and from a personal standing point keeps me inspired and motivated and asking to know more. Now the only thing that keeps me happier than wine is wine and food so to let you in on tomorrow's episode we're going to be talking with a top sommelier and wine consultant who has written a wine and food pairing book not going to tell you what it is yet and he's going to give you some amazing food and wine pairing ideas thanks as ever for listening and tuning in i can't wait to share some of these episodes with you of season two if you haven't subscribed on whatever app you're listening to please do it now like the episode you already know what you're supposed to be doing with the apple podcast so please leave a review until tomorrow's episode cheers to you